Hello, welcome to Midweek Movie Podcast, where we examine scriptures line by line, verse by verse, and ask ourselves, what does it mean, and what does it mean in context? I'm Dallas, so glad to have you guys here with us. Uh, we are jumping into Colossians chapter 3 as we journey through this conversation about the little church that could. <laughs> the little church that could. Yes, from our first week of Colossians, the little church that could. They're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Colossae was the smaller uh, area that Paul reached out to, and it was one of the smallest areas. It was known for some trade and some different things, but right. uh, it was a smaller area. But even in a smaller area, we deal with this a lot in Louisiana, mm-hmm. even in a smaller area, there were a lot of people who had come to Christ, Yeah, a lot of people in this small area. Mm-hmm. And I think that in walking through this, that one thing I have missed as we've been walking through this is the number of people who have given their lives to Christ and are being discipled in this smaller region. Mm-hmm. We try to look at Corinth and we look at Ephesus and we look at all of them right. and we think, man, there's massive ports of trade and massive stuff going through and there's all these people. But in Colossae, I, I'm not so sure per capita there, there wasn't more believers that were being won to the Lord in this area than there were in these other places. Right. And just like Louisiana, you, you talk about where do you feel God's calling you? Very few people are going, um, Campty, Louisiana, <laughs> Castor, Louisiana. Um, hey, how about up by the Arkansas line where there's still phone internet? <clears throat> and... Mainly what you hear here is, hey, New Orleans, Lafayette, kind of the metro areas, which is great. That's Mm -hmm. wonderful. But when our state is primarily almost dominant rule, somebody's got to be called to those areas. And I think that one of the lessons we can learn from Colossae is that they weren't necessarily looking at it as, oh, it's not Corinth. Oh, it's not this. Oh, it's not this. It's just like, hey, Jesus is Lord. We're telling everybody and whoever comes, we're going to disciple. We're going to do this thing together. We're going to continue in the apostles' teaching and the breaking bread, fellowship, prayer, all those things that the early church started with. No matter where we go, what we do, we're going to win people to Christ. Right. Absolutely. So Paul's been dealing with a lot of stuff taking place in here because he's, he's passionate about this. We talked about last week that how when you read this, the chapter two, you get a sense of his passion for these people, uh, to see them grow, to take their next step with Christ. And he walked them through a lot of stuff last that week. That he had not met. He had never met. That's right. And again, that was one point that we did last week I thought was really cool is that, but he heard about them. Somebody had to tell him. Right. And he heard. He was listening. Mm-hmm. And then his response was dictated by what he heard. Exactly. Uh, that they were doing in Christ. Right. So, uh, again, he's dealing with some, some interesting conversational pieces that take place here. And we're jumping into the chapter uh, 3 where we're talking about kind of putting on the new self, which is an interesting concept. Uh, verse 1, if, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Now, this is some... Um, some spiritual vocabulary that has some real meaning that I feel like we we toss around. There's a lot of people in the church is like, seek the things from above. I remember being a, a young man and who's new to the faith, 15 years old, and hearing our, our pastor go to, you know, seek the things from above. And I remember asking myself, what does that mean? Like, what is the practical? What, is, what am I seeking when I'm seeking the things that are above? Because honestly, especially in some of our circles, that just gets kind of weird and flaky when you have people <laughs> in those conversations. Right. So what does that mean, Pastor? Well, I think 
contextually, and you know this, we're all about context. Right. <clears throat> I, I don't think you get the definition of set your mind, things on, uh, your mind on things above just by looking at verse 2. Mm-hmm. I think it's what comes after that. Oh, i got to read more, huh? That's right. you got to <laughs> read more. And I think that uh, although he is talking about putting on some things, he mm-hmm. also talks about putting off. Right. And I think when you talk about, I do think it's interesting that he says set your mind on things above, not your heart. Mm-hmm. Set your mind on things above, what you think about. Right. And so when when you heard set your mind on things above, your thought process went to, well, how can I do those things? Right. They're there. Right, exactly. I got to do my normal stuff. <laughs> but what I believe Paul is saying is not that. It's what you think about. Think about those things mm. that are heavenly. Right. What are those things? Well, Paul was also the guy that said the things that are good, trustworthy, all those things. Meditate on these things. Right. These things that are just. Right. These things that these things that you don't have in your natural self. Right. Because your natural self wants to be selfish. Right. Your natural self wants to do what it wants to do. Mm-hmm. What he's saying is set your mind on things above mm-hmm. your mind. And then what comes out of your life will be from above. Exactly. Because that's where your thoughts are. Well, he's also the one that says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's all starts up in here. We, we talk a lot about the heart, and the heart's a very big thing that we are uh, in the faith, absolutely. But it's really a lot of mindsets that we have to overcome. Uh, and we're going to get into some of that because um, when we have the idea that it's, you know, this is the way I think, the way I perceive things, the, the list that he presents of things that need to die and things that need to be put away gets very interesting yep. uh, as, we, as we grow as Christians. And I think it answers the question that you gave. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to set your mind on things above? Right. I think when you read the rest of this, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I'm putting off actually the things of this earth, this world. Right my selfish nature, Mm -hmm. and I'm putting on the things, the characteristics of the kingdom of God, the things that are above. Exactly. So verse 5 says this, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. (laughs) There it is, (laughs) which are on the earth. My my, uh, version says, uh, put to death your members which are on the earth. Right. So of the earth. Right. That's our self. Right. right. It's the fleshly things. And, that's and right. these are very uh, fleshly things that he points out. Sexual immorality, impurity, uh, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, you once are in these, you two once walked with uh, you uh, were, I'm sorry, when you were living in them. So he lists off a lot of big things. Yep. There, um, honestly, we deal with today. Again, this is one of those things that I, I bring this out as much as I can. The scriptures were not written just for the people back then. Yes, they were in there's context, but man, they apply to us today. This isn't just some old book that we're reading. Yep. There are people today that are dealing with sexual morality, impurity, passion, uh, evil desire, covetous, uh, which is idolatry. And, but what I love about it is this, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming, in these you two once walked, past tense. Yep. A lot of people believe, well, this is just something I do. I can't help. No. In Christ, yep. you don't have to do this anymore. Yep. You can walk in freedom. Um, and then uh, verse 8, but now you must put them away, uh, put, uh, put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Now, this list here is interesting to me. 
Um, Paul's saying that in Christ, we got to put these things off. The language is interesting because especially when you uh, look at the, the presented list, uh, these are mindsets. These are, these are habits you have to, to really work at. I know for me, um, when I got saved, I had anger issues. <laughs> I was, I was just angry and I, I had to work to put that behind me. Yep. Uh, what does that look like? What's that process look like uh, for a believer? And when you walk somebody through changing their mindset, how do you help them through that, Pastor? Well, I, I do think it's interesting that in verse 5 it says, put to death mm-hmm. your members, these things, mm-hmm. fornication, uncleanness, passion, which is lustful desire, evil desire, and covetous, which is idolatry. Mm-hmm. But then he says, but now you yourselves are to put off all these. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say put to death your members. Right. He says, put off these things. Right. Which gives a connotation which if you're if if you do have anger, it's not necessarily something, it's something you need to work through. Right. You've got to put it off. Right. And he says but then he says blasphemy. Mm. Like filthy language out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. And then of course in verse nine he talks about do not lie to one another. Something just that seems like it's little, it's a base thing. It's right. a small thing. It's whatever. Right. But what he's getting at is that this mindset that mm-hmm. you had outside of Christ right. created a heart issue. Right. And now it's rooted in your life. Yeah. You've got to put it off. Yeah. You got to put it to death and then put it off. Mm. So it's like you got to put it to death, then you put it off. Right. Then you set your mind on things. Above, mm-hmm. and that's the key to walking anybody through anything is mm-hmm. that getting the understanding that it isn't just your heart, it's not just your mind, it's mm-hmm. both and. Right. And for some of it, it is death immediately, <laughs> and for some of it, it is a process of walking through sanctification. Yeah. It is a deliverance from the mindset, but a walking out of the freedom. Mm. Because the, the the first step to freedom is not necessarily freedom. It's a mindset shift. And then even after you're free, you got to have a process of healing in your mind. Yeah. We see it with the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. They didn't have chains on anymore. Right. But they had chains in their mind. Oh, yeah. They still had the thinking of a slave mm-hmm. because they were like, hey, we don't want this stuff coming from heaven. Mm-hmm. We want the meat we're out here in the middle of nowhere. We're going to die. Right. Right? God's not going to do anything for us. So quail come from the from the heavens. Bread comes from the heavens. Right. Water's coming out of a rock. There's, there's, there's a cloud by day and fire by night. God's doing all these miracles, yet all they can see is a desert. Their mind hasn't changed. Right. They're still captives. Yeah. Yet Moses has already led them out of captivity. And now for 40 years, he's trying to lead them out of a mindset of captivity. They're out of a physical captivity. And so they've come out of this, but they never put off Mm. the mindset. Right. They never set their mind on things above. Right. Moses goes up to the mountain, and what's he doing? He's getting a heavenly mindset. Right. God is speaking to him. God's writing things on a tablet. Mm -hmm. And now Moses doesn't have the mindset of Egypt now he's got the mindset of things above. Right. God has downloaded some things to him. He sees it from a different thing. He comes down from the mountain. They're all worshiping idols. What does it say that you need to put to death? Idolatry. Right. Moses comes down. He's got a veil over his face. Why? Because the glory of God. 
his mind now, it's not just a heart thing. Mm-hmm. His heart was in the right place because he was getting them out of Egypt. Right. But even his mind had some of those old thought processes. Right. And we know that after he killed the Hebrew, and I know we were going way back into <laughs> Exodus, but he, he, he kills an Egyptian because they were, they were slaying Jews. Right. He kills an Egyptian. He's thrown out of Egypt, and he's in a wilderness for 40 years. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking in that 40 years, it's not just a heart thing he's taking care of, but it's a mind thing. Right. When he comes back, he's a different guy. Yeah, yeah. And he's speaking differently to Pharaoh. Right. And I don't think that's just a heart thing. I think he was transformed in his mind, mm-hmm. which now gives him the ability to lead them out of captivity. And now he's not just trying to change their hearts. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get them to change their minds, their right. mindset. Exactly. And we know for most of them, they never got there. Right. They never set their their mind on the things above, the promises of God, which were yes and amen. Right. There is a promised land. Absolutely. You're going to cross over on dry ground. Mm. You're going to go to a promised land. Well, we know when they finally get there that if they haven't died, that they're going to most of them die, the fathers in the wilderness. Right. And then Joshua looks at the rest of them and says, listen, we're not going to do what our fathers did. Right. This is a different mindset. Right. We're going to cut the flesh, right, signifying that we're not the same as those that went before us. Right. We're crossing over into the promises of God. Mm -hmm. Our minds now are set on heavenly things. Our minds are changed. So when we go into this promised land, we're not bringing Egypt into the promised land. Right. We're not bringing that mindset into the promised land. Right. And I think that's where a lot of new believers especially struggle Mm. is that they think, Okay, I've accepted Christ. Everything's awesome. Right. Then they start having thoughts. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait a second. If I was a believer, I wouldn't have that thought. Right. That's where that process is. You're free. Yeah. But now you have to set your mind on things above. You got to put off that old way of thinking. Right. And put on right. a new way of thinking. One of the things that uh, my sister is a, a licensed professional counselor. She works for a addiction recovery center. That's uh, it's a Christian based one. And one of the things that she that the biggest issues that people run into is they think that, well, I've been removed from the situation because they go through detox, but most of her time with these guys is teach them how to rethink situations, how to rethink their life. Cause when they're out of the bubble, they're back where they were at. They're back in those environments and they have to go, I don't have to do that. That's why most rehabs don't work. Exactly. A 30 day rehab, a 45 day rehab. Right. You know, that's why some of the, some of the best rehabs, as far as success rate, are long-term. Mm-hmm. They're a process right? because they don't just get you away from the addic- the addictive things. right? But it gets you away from it, yes. Mm-hmm. But then they begin to teach you a different way of thinking. Right. That you see yourself differently. Exactly. And I don't think it's a mistake that most of the most successful rehab programs are all faith-based. I, I, I agree completely. Because the percentages are astounding. It's so much. It's multifaceted. Uh, we just talked about here. There's the physical. It's got to put it away. Put this thing to death. It's got to be gone. Then there's the mental aspect. we got to change. All this, though, started with the spiritual change. And don't you think historically, Dallas, the church has been terrible at the mind? I would agree. We, we have historically said, if there's a mental issue, well, it's not really. You just need to have faith. Okay, let me ask you a question. I, I, this is very interesting to me. Take me back to the moment where your heart changed, where you gave your life to Jesus. Okay. Where was that? Uh, it was in Ashgrove, Missouri. 
Okay, how old were you? I was 15. Okay, 15 years old, Ash Grove. You're kind of an angry kid. Right. You were kind of an outcast a little bit. Mm-hmm. You really didn't fit into a lot of groups. Right. Maybe could even maybe isolate yourself a little bit a just little to bit. protect yourself. Yeah, totally. Right? Or be overtly, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, I was one of those that I would overtly almost make fun of myself mm-hmm. before other people could. Right. So I became kind of the class clown sometimes. Sure. And so all of us deal with those things differently. Okay, so you give your heart to Christ. Right. And you're saved, mm-hmm. right? You believe in your heart at that moment. You were saved. Absolutely. Eternal life is yours. Right. But was your mind cleansed completely in that moment? No, it wasn't. When did that happen? When when was it that you went, wow, I think totally different? It was the revelation that I needed to think differently came a couple years later. I was uh, We're here back in Louisiana, and I remember... I was, uh, I got in a fight with my sister, stupid, like rage was in there about a TV remote. It was the dumbest thing ever. Now, how old were you then? I was, I was about 17 years old. Okay. So you were still in high school. I was still in high school. Okay. And there was a click in my mind going, what are you doing? I really feel like that was the Holy Spirit in that moment going, it's time for you to wake up and realize what's happening inside of you, that you're still angry. You're still dealing with this stuff. And I remember. So you had put to death fornication, uncleanness. Lust, evil desire, covetousness, and any idolatry. Right. But now, a couple of years later, you're putting off anger. Exactly. Man, that's so good. Yeah. And uh, came to we came to church. The, we were having Friday night youth nights at the time. And uh, I could point you at the location, the sanctuary, man, where I was just, I was done. I, there, were, there are some deep-rooted spiritual things about anger and whatnot that runs in my family. And mm-hmm. I didn't want that. I didn't want to be certain individuals. And man, I remember crying out to God, said, "I need a transformation now. I need this done." And uh, that night was a dramatic shift in my mindset and my thinking. And can you say from that moment to now, you've had moments where there were certain ways of thinking you had that the Lord has has healed that or changed that, mm-hmm. so that you see things differently. Oh yeah, totally. or yourself differently, or yeah. other people differently. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I love the fact that in uh, verse 10, he's talking about putting off all these things. I love the fact that you could take me to the place where your heart changed, mm-hmm. but yet you could also take me to the place where you felt like there was this crazy transformation in your mindset, mm-hmm. which again, putting to death those things that separate you from eternity mm-hmm. is different than putting off those things right. that the Lord wants to heal. Right. Totally. Because there are some things that are an absolute blockade in your salvation. Right. And 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 all of that, um, all of that is what keeps us from Christ, from even believing. Mm-hmm. But once we believe, then we begin to walk through a process by the washing of the water of the word. Right. Through prayer, through our relationship with Jesus. Right. All those things. He says in verse 10, and put on the new man. Okay, so... you. I've put to death these things. Right. And I've put off these things. Right. And now in this new way of walking, I've put on the new man who is renewed. That word renewed is not saved. Right. It's renewed. Right. Refreshed. Right. Right. Revived, even restructured. Mm -hmm. Okay. Renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Now he's talking about identity. Right. 
So you're, you can be saved, and there is this eternal life that's been promised to you, but yet, man, there's still some identity issues. Man, I still kind of fall back a little bit whenever I have that little bit of anger or whenever I have that that thing comes out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. I know that my there's something in my heart that's not right. And if mm-hmm. there's something in my heart that's not absolutely right, then it came from here right? because it started with a thought that right. got to here. And he says that, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, Barbian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. You're not any of those things that the world put that off. Right. Put it off mm-hmm. and put on the new man your identity in Jesus. Right. You know how I feel about identity. <laughs> be who God created you to be. That's where it all starts. I think this is so awesome that we have this eternal promise. Mm -hmm. And when we step into that, there's still some things that we may have to walk through. Sure. And that's the process of putting off and putting on. Exactly. Exactly. But even with the whole identity aspect, you you brought verse 11 where it talks about, you know, all these things, you got all these things, you're you're free in Christ. You don't have to have these identities. The part of the, um, the cult that was taking place here was putting on that identity of, you have to do certain things because yep. you're Jewish. Then, and he's like, "No, we're free from that." Verse twelve: Put on then God as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion and hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has complaint against another, forgive each other, as the Lord has given you, so that you must are uh, <laughs> you also must uh, forgive. Above all, put on love. That which blinds everything together, binds everything together in perfect har- harmony. These restrictions were binding people to a mindset, to habits, to cultural things. And he's saying, no, change your mindset and cling to these things. And he was dealing with individuals in the first 11 verses. Mm-hmm. But now he's talking about the greater body. He's talking right. about other people. Right. When you, when you have a heart change, mm-hmm. when you put on the new man and you put off those old way of thinking, now you function and you relate to people differently than you did before. Absolutely. Now it's not, hey, Dallas, you're Greek. I'm Jew. Uh, boom. Right. There's a barrier. Mm-hmm. No, it's gone. Exactly. Because now you're not Greek. I'm not Jew. Right. I'm Scott. You're Dallas. We are children of God. Right. And now, because I've put off certain things, mm-hmm. it doesn't just affect me individually, but it also affects the way that I receive you right. and the way that I am received by you. Exactly. Because now my behavior is different. Right. I see you differently, therefore I interact with you differently. Right. I don't see you as Greek, therefore before there would be that, and I would stand at a distance. Mm. I don't see you as that anymore, so now I'm leaning in. Right. Now, where I would not forgive you because you're a Gentile, mm. now I forgive you. Right. Why? Because Christ forgave me. Exactly. My mindset is totally different. Completely different. So good. And like I said, it's, it's all basic, but above all, put on love. <clears throat> and then he goes on to uh, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, mm-hmm. wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now he's talking about, okay, Christ has come into your life, but now the word, the word mm-hmm. is in you. Let the word dwell in you. Exactly. With wisdom, right? Teaching. Mm-hmm. That's next level, the next step. Right. How do you 
how do you maintain putting on the new man? You've got to grow in that. Mm -hmm. How do you grow in that? The word of God, <laughs> teaching, right? And all these things, and even where he talks about um, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, once right. singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Right. This I love because now this is not just talking about singing to the Lord, right. but singing to one another. Right. Some people have a problem sometimes with exhortation songs. Mm-hmm. Because they feel like, man, like uh, the song, um, uh, The Blessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> amen, amen. It's like, may your children and your children, da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. And people are like, oh, who are we singing this to? We're singing it to one another. Right, because we're commanded to. That's right. We're admonishing one another with the exhortation right. that when I look at you, I'm going, man, may your family be blessed. Right. And may your may the seed of your generations be right. blessed. May your household be blessed. Right. I'm declaring that over you right. because that's what God has said about mm -hmm. us. Right. I think the problem we run into is that we use vocabulary. This is a time of worship. And our mindset is purely worship is only us singing to the Lord, not our lifestyle of service to the Lord in everything we do. That's right. Our admonishing of each other is worship to the Lord because he told us to do it. <laughs> yeah. And in the, and most of the Psalms were, were to the Lord. Right. Right? Hymns. The way that we define hymns would be more of songs about the Lord. Right. And then it even says, and spiritual songs. Right. Now, I don't know the the what the biblical definition of spiritual song would be. Mm -hmm. We would probably see that as maybe a song that, <clears throat> that maybe has meaning to us that God uses mm -hmm. to take us back to a specific place. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not played on Caleb, <laughs> right? Maybe it's not played on Air One. Right. But it's something that reminds us. There are certain songs that I hear, whether I'm in a supermarket or something, <clears throat> and it doesn't remind me of my old lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It doesn't remind me of the drinking or the drug addiction or anything like that. It reminds me of Tanya. Mm. Maybe it's a love song. Right. And it's not dirty. It's not nasty. It's not filthy or anything. It's right. just a love song, mm. you know, about two people who are in love. Right. When I hear a song like uh, a song called Reminiscing, that's a song that, was played a lot when we got together. And mm. wherever I hear that song, right. I don't think about the people who are singing it. I don't think about what I was doing at the time. I think about Tanya right. immediately. And it becomes a spiritual song. I'm not saying that secular music becomes a spiritual song. <laughs> don't take out of context what I'm saying. Right. But what I am saying is that when I hear that song, I think about Tanya and how God, even when we weren't saved, mm. God put us in a place together so that we could make a decision to be together for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. And the Lord would save us right. and we would have kids and we would raise our family up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. But that song is used to take me back to when we came together mm. and what the Lord has done. And thereby it creates thankfulness in my heart. Right. Absolutely. Well, speaking of Tanya um, and being married, Paul goes into a conversation about husbands and wives, which on the surface looks like it may be just this radical change. I would say <laughs> exactly what I was going to say. It's not a radical change. No. When you look at the context of the fact that he's talking about putting on a new self, changing your mindset, how he's walking through how you do life within Christ, within yourself, but then with the world around you. Yep. This cult had called people to such a, it's all about you and your selfish desires almost. And then also so a lot of self harm, even to the point of you, people not being allowed to get married. And so that was promoting unhealthy relationships with 
everyone. He's like, let's talk about healthy relationships with everyone in the context of this love that binds everything together. And well, uh, and I think the key is verse 17. Mm-hmm. And whatever you do right. in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Right. Whatever you do. Exactly. And then he says, wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So wives, in, in being a wife to a husband mm-hmm. and submitting as is fitting to the Lord, like not his lordship, right. but the lordship of Jesus. And as your husband follows the Lord and submits to the Lord, you mm. submit to your own husband. So in your marriage, whatever you do in word and deed, right. do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Exactly. So now I'm not just a wife to a husband, but now I'm doing it as unto the Lord. Right. Husbands love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Culturally, right. women were looked at as nothing more than Property. Property. Yep. I mean, let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. And there was bitterness towards women. Right. The My translation puts it as, do not be harsh towards them, talking about the way we treat them yep. and the way that we, um, as, as husbands, um, serve our wives, really. And then they also had an issue because you've got Greek and, and Jew coming together. Mm-hmm. Greek was more philosophical. Mm-hmm. Uh, children were not looked at as the farm hands, Mm -hmm. they weren't looked at. But in the Greek culture, children were Mm over-sexualized. If you look at the history of it, and we're seeing it all over again, they were over-sexualized. There were major abuses happening to children in the Greek culture. In the Jewish culture, children were looked at at, yes, they were looked at as a blessing. Mm -hmm. They were looked at, and a lot of times, male children were elevated in the household above even the mother, the wife. Mm -hmm. He's taking care of all that. He's taking both those cultural right. uh, abuses, right. and he's bringing everything is done in Christ. Right. There's none of that anymore. Right. It's all in Christ. And whatever you're doing in your life, mm-hmm. right, do it as unto the Lord. Exactly. And that's when he says, because in the great culture, children were were um, uh, were running things. They were going wild. They right. were going crazy. In the Jewish culture, it was thumbed down on the children. They weren't doing anything crazy. Right. And so he's got children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord, bringing them back to that. Exactly. Fathers, do not provoke your children. Right. Because in both cultures, Mm -hmm. that was happening. Yeah. Whether it was provoking them to sin. Right. Or whether it was provoking them to anger by not allowing them to do anything. Exactly. He's covering both of those abuses. There's an interesting aspect of the fact that he says, husbands love your wives. Because in another uh, place, he says, husband loves your wife, says Christ loves the church. That's right. And with that mindset, Christ loving the church, how do you love the church? Well, first off, he... He died for the church. He served the church. He put the best interest of the church ahead of his own within reason <laughs> because he goes, I know what's best for the church. I'm going to take care of it. He took on the burden. He took on the hard stuff. I would submit that not only is that how a husband should treat his wife, where he takes on the hard stuff for his wife, but even that whole do not provoke your children, it's the same way Christ loves the church, how the Father loves the church. He's not provoking us. People think that God's trying to provoke us to anger. But whereas he's going, look, I'm doing the hard things for you because I want you to be healthy. Yeah, the Holy Spirit will convict us. Exactly. 
And that may provoke us, <laughs> but that's not what he's doing. He's right. convicting us. He's revealing those things inside right. of us that are not of him. Exactly. And it's important to say that it's at least they become discouraged. There's a lot of times there's people who have such a heavy hand on, on their kids that they are discouraged. They feel like they can't do anything right. The Father, the Heavenly Father, he's not putting stuff on us all at once to, to discourage us. But what does he does? He sets up a system in place for us to grow and be healthy and to uh, become what he wants us to be. That's the reason why, yes, there's hard things we put to death, but then there's things that we work out in a progress, just like we saw. Yep. Imagine going to a person, <clears throat> going, hey, uh, I know you just got saved, Scott, but overnight I need you to get rid of all your anger, all your fear, all your doubts. I need you to get rid of everything you've ever done wrong right now, or you're just not going to be good enough. Right. Would you have continued? Well, no. That's where... That's where, you know, Galatians talks about if if we live in the Spirit, mm -hmm. then we must walk in the Spirit. Right. That live in the Spirit gives the connotation of positional. Right. So that's a decision. I've decided to follow Christ. Now the Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. Right. And so the, the, the Holy Spirit now dwells in me. Exactly. But now I, I have to open myself to go, okay— my whole life now is mm -hmm. open to you, Holy Spirit. Right. I need every fiber of my being to be filled. Right. And once that happens, now I'm walking in the Spirit. Right. And of course, in Galatians, he says, now the fruit of that Spirit will be this. Right. But the fruit of your flesh mm. will be this. The works of the flesh will be this, which right. goes to exactly what he was talking about. you got to put off these things. Right. Put to death these things. Put off these things. Put on these things. Right. And so I know we're toward the end of this. One thing I want you to deal with, mm -hmm. uh, which can be very iffy for people at times. <laughs> Verse 22, bond servants. Right. Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. How do you deal with this? Okay, it's dealing with... Um, uh, Paul has dealt with you know putting off and putting on and mm -hmm. and sanctification really is a big part of this. Mm -hmm. Holiness is a big part of this. He's dealt with a home. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. But now he deals with something that we tiptoe around because mm -hmm. it's 2022. Sure. But servants and masters. Right. So within this, first off, um, Slavery is slavery, and it's terrible. And there's a lot of people who they rail against the, the church, like, well, how come Paul doesn't speak against it? Well, he never promoted it. They actually speak differently. And I want us to have the mindset of this. When this letter was delivered, there was another letter that was delivered called Philemon. That's right. Now, what was Philemon about, Pastor? Go ahead. <laughs> I, I open this up for you. I want you to dig Philemon into this. Philemon was a letter to a master yep. saying, hey, you have this slave here who is saved, he is sanctified, and he's been a good servant. Yep. Take him. Do not punish him and and treat him well. Treat him right. And again, According to the law and the culture, you could. Right. You could punish him. He had every legal right to do it, but Paul's calling him to a higher standard than that. He says, look, you need to treat this man with respect and love. Yep. And so that with that context, this being brought into it, he's calling everybody together saying, hey, look, there are legal things in place here that are unfortunately legal, but I want us to be better as believers. Yep. And I think part of the problem is we do have a disservice because we we leave out verse one of chapter four <laughs> in this conversation and verse twenty five. Yes, he says to respect your masters, 
do all your work, but he's not doing not for them, but for the Lord. In all things to the Lord. Then verse 25. For the wrongdoers will be paid back the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. So he's saying to those who are in servitude, hey, look, do what you need to in honor of me. Serve me well. Understanding that everything that's been done wrong to you, if you're being mistreated, I don't care who they are. I'll take care of them. Yep. And then verse four, verse 1 of chapter 4, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. That's the great challenge that's being presented to everyone. Within the legal bounds, yes, there are slaves that are taking place in this culture, but we are called to treat each other with respect, love, and dignity across the board. One thing that you pointed out about Philemon being um, presented at the same time mm-hmm. is that when when Paul gives his plea for Onesimus, mm-hmm. who was the slave, right. He calls Onesimus his son. Right. He says, um, you know, he says that I appeal to you for my son who I have begotten while in my chains. Mm. So he has he has discipled Onesimus in chains. Right. And he's saying that Onesimus was once unprofitable to you. Mm. He did some wrong things. But now is profitable to you and to me. Right. And now he's not talking about farming. He's not talking about any of that. Right. Because he goes on to say, and this to your point of of how Colossians 3 is ending, mm-hmm. Paul says in verse 16 of Philemon, receive him no longer as a slave, mm. but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. And Paul tells Philemon, who is a master in what we're talking about, the context. Exactly. To receive Onesimus a slave, not even as Onesimus, Mm -hmm. but receive him as me. Right. Receive him as you would me, Paul. Right. Wipe it clean. (laughs) So when we read Colossians and we have an issue with it, we're going, oh, no, it's talking about masters and servants. Paul's going way deeper than that. Yes. He's going, look, culturally, this is the way that it's set up, Mm -hmm. but you have a new mind now. Right. Set your mind on things above. Mm. Masters, you don't see your bondservants as your servants anymore. Right. You see them as you see me. Right. As a brother in Christ. Right. You see them as a brother. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is what changes the game. You right. can't just read this and go, oh, uh, masters and servants and that's slavery and there's nothing in here. No, Paul is breaking some stuff down. He's breaking down cultural barriers. He's breaking down historically abusive behaviors. Right, across the board. With these words. Uh, husbands versus wives, children versus uh, their families, their parents, uh, Jews and Greeks, bond servants, slaves, circumcised, uncircumcised, slave free. He's breaking about men, women. He's breaking down every one of those barriers in the spirit, Mm -hmm. taking authority in the spirit, which goes all the way back to how he started the letter, Paul, an apostle. Yeah. I'm coming to break some chains. I'm in chains. Yeah. But the mindset is, I'm not talking about my physical chains. Right. I'm talking about spiritual chains. Exactly. Set your mind on things above. And when you do that, these chains mm. that have kept you from Christ will be broken. Right. And you will not see one another the same again. Absolutely. 
if I can give one big takeaway is that you can't. No, <laughs> okay, we're done. All right. <laughs> no. So in a podcast, no, uh, <laughs> it's simply this throughout this entire chapter, Paul's saying, change your mindset, change mm-hmm. the way you see yourself. Yep. Change the way you see your family and change the way you see society as a whole, because in Christ, it's all even ground, including you. Yep. You are a new creation. You are a new creation in Christ. Awesome. Any last words, Pastor? No, that was awesome. I love that. <laughs> Thanks for being transparent with your story. Thanks for going there with me. I think that was super important. Yeah. Um, especially coming against the thought process mm-hmm. of condemnation. Right. Because condemnation doesn't start as a, a stronghold in your heart. It right. starts with a thought. Yeah. The thinking that you're condemned. Right gets into your heart Absolutely. and becomes the stronghold of condemnation. 100%. And so I think it's important for people to, to, to know that there is that salvation moment. And mm-hmm. again, that doesn't mean that we can just continue on because of grace mm. and we're promised eternity. And now because of grace, we can just willfully sin right. all we want and we're good. Right. That's not what the Bible teaches. Right. But what Paul is teaching is that there is a mindset that has to shift as well. Yeah. By the washing of the water of the word, as the word of Christ dwells in you, right. as you encourage one another, as you begin to function out of this new man, right. you begin to see differently, you speak differently, you act differently, your day-to-day life is different. Right. That's when the new man gets ingrained in your mind. Right. And now you have the mind of Christ. So good. So good. Well, guys, we hope this has encouraged you. We hope it's challenged you. We want to hear from you guys. How has this encouraged and challenged you? How can we help you take your next step? Reach out to us. You can email us at mediahub at thbstreetport.com. Uh, or you can find our Facebook page. Just look for Midweek Move. Uh, we pop up really easily right there. And um, just let us know how we can do life with you. Until next time, have a great week. <laughs>